And hello, friends and enemies. We're back. It's perhaps it's you. Your absolute favorite Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast that's also unofficial. My name is Liz. My name is Samantha. We're your cool mystery ants. No, we didn't bestow that title upon ourselves. It was graciously given to us. We would never give ourselves nicknames. No, that's that's, uh, gauche. I was trying to think of the word there. So gauche. Uh, but we're here to watch Unsolved Mysteries for, and, and then tell you about it in such detail that you don't need to watch it yourself. I feel like something that holds people back from our amazing podcast is they're like, oh, well, I haven't watched that episode of Unsolved Mysteries. I got to watch it first. And then, of course, they don't have time. And it's like, no, we'll tell you all the deets. You're good. I, it's there's not no, necessary. There's no homework. We're going to tell you the whole mystery. Because honestly, even if you watched it like last week, if your memory is like mine, you might not really remember you're probably not going to remember. I I feel like people are constantly referencing things we've said in the past or like things <laughs> in past episodes of Unsolved yeah, Mystery yeah. episodes and I remember none of them. And you're just like, yeah, dude. Look, if that if I had watched this in 1996, I would remember it word for word. But I watched it a couple days ago, so I remember very little. If that's just the way that the mind works, it's mysterious in that way. Uh, if only I had watched it in 1996, it would be like it was yesterday. But instead, it was <laughs> yesterday, so it's a foggy mess. Well, okay, so we're we're doing remote con- recording. Things have gotten very COVID-y again, as I'm sure you're aware. So, well, maybe not. Maybe you live in a country that handles things, and things are not that covid by you. Bless you. Make the most of it. But if you were in the United States of America, where we've decided just to throw up our hands and go, I don't know, let people die or whatever... Look, we're just we're back to this the stay home mode. Yeah, we're recording remotely, so we don't even know if this is gonna work. That's usually how remote recording goes. Yeah, yeah. My uh so I'm in physical therapy and my physical therapist today was like, Oh, so what are you doing this weekend? And I was like, Nothing. We're back to that. What are you talking <laughs> about? What am I doing this weekend? Nothing. I will be working on a puzzle in front of my TV. <laughs> fun stuff but the good news is that now we're back so while you possibly have nothing to do we can keep you company yeah we we can entertain you with the seventh season of unsolved mysteries what does robert stack have to say about these mysteries let's find out what does he have to say okay we were trying to figure something out last night which is are we officially halfway through all of the episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. How many seasons are there of this goddamn show? Not, we okay, we're obviously not counting the Dennis Farina episodes. The original, how, Amazon has 12 seasons, but I'm seeing conflicting information as to whether or not those are, that's the number of seasons. Okay, okay. Um, what's hilarious is that if you Google how many seasons Unsolved Mysteries, there's different answers. And <laughs> this I, is why I don't know. And I think it's because like what's on Amazon doesn't align with like what originally aired. And then there are the Dennis Farina ones, which if anybody was like, Liz, just do the Dennis Farina ones, even though Dennis Farina sucks. Well, the thing is, those aren't new mysteries. They just like repackaged old mysteries with like bad Google Maps footage is my understanding. So I don't maybe there's like a couple new ones. I don't even think there are. I think it's literally they did the same things again because it was just very cheap. So there's no point in us talking about it again because not only is there not Robert Stack, there's no new information. Um, so I th- I guess we're going by the Amazon way, which I think lines up with also what's on YouTube and Tubi for free. So I guess there's 14 seasons, but you would think we would you, you would think on the seventh season of our, our Unsolved Mysteries podcast we would know how many seasons of Unsolved Mysteries there are. <laughs> I have always just assumed that there were so many seasons that we would burn out long before we reached the end. But you know what? Now I I kind of look back on the time and I'm like, six seasons flew. Okay, season six didn't really fly by, but <laughs> we've got we've got through six in like four ish years. Yeah. Uh so I we have a, I would say we have another good four years at least ahead of us, right? I think so. I mean, unless the world ends before then, which well, is a distinct the possibility. There's no real, I don't see much point in planning past that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like we're set for the immediate future and we'll just, you know, we'll just keep chugging along until there's no more track. That's the plan. Oh, uh, if you are listening to this, the other good news is that you can now order 
Our second zine. Yes. Perhaps it's using is done. It is in full color. It's glorious. There's all sorts of things like craft projects and Mad Libs and uh, an article about why Roswell is boring by Rob of Our Strange Skies. I mean, it has it all. So y- you can get that by PayPaling us fifteen dollars, and that's perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. All the details for that are on our website, perhaps it's you.com. You're going to want one of these zines. I've seen it. I love it. It's hard for me to, I don't know if I could pick my favorite part of the zine, but I really love the data analysis. I wish I could shout out the listener who did that because it's amazing. And when I say I do not remember what we've talked about in the past, (laughs) there are things mentioned in that data analysis where I was like, I don't remember saying that at all. I don't remember giving an episode five out of five tears, (laughs) but apparently I did. Yeah. It's so, so good. And I can't believe someone sat down and did that. Shout out to them. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. If you've been wondering, like, do we give more thumbs up, thumbs down? What's the average star rating? You're going to have to get the zine because someone went through all the trouble to crunch all that data themselves. Amazing. Bless you. Bless you. I, I We're also going to do a deal. If you didn't get the first scene and you want that too, you can get both $22. Nice. I know. It's amazing. So that will all be on our website and it'll be more. That includes U.S. shipping. So if you're not in the U.S., you have to pay a little more. Also, if you're in Minnesota, you have to pay sales tax. Sorry about it. It's the law. Okay. I would like to dedicate uh, this episode to our resident history nerd, Rochelle, who has been under the weather. Get well soon, Rochelle. Hopefully this episode cures you. I assume that it will. Yeah. It has curative did you send Rochelle some Lourdes water or did we drink it all? Um, I do have some in reserve, so I could send her some. If she if she, if if she thinks that'll help, I will. Rochelle, get in touch. If you need some Lourdes water, yeah. Or some mints. Do you think some Lourdes mints would, would do the trick? I got some. Can't hurt, might help. <laughs> can't, can't I mean eating a delicious mint, it really can't hurt. Exactly. And it, and it might cure you. As <laughs> long as you're not St. Bernadette. I I can't I'm sorry I can't move on from that story I cannot move on the holy uh, Virgin Mary appeared to Saint Bernadette and said people who are use this water will be cured and Saint Bernadette said it's great I have a lot of health issues and then the Virgin Mary went oh not you (laughs) (laughs) bitch not you no works in mysterious ways we've just found out from the Pope that all of us who have chosen to have pets instead of children are doing humanity great disservice yeah. Yeah, that's 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 curious. How many children do you have, Pope? Oh, oh, is that none? Huh? Huh? Well, sounds like someone's a little selfish. <laughs> and their name is the Pope. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Because someone was like, "Who asked?" And I was like, "Was it his children?" <laughs> oh wait. Oh, it was. It wasn't. Couldn't have been. Interesting. <laughs> That's fine. I can be selfish at home trying to get enough sleep. You know, teach their own. We all we pick our different paths in life. And I like children, but I also really like sleeping. So, you know, we gotta we gotta you know you have to weigh the pros and cons. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They're very needy. Children, get it together. Throw the fuck up. What is wrong with you? You're so childish. <laughs> It's like your whole deal. Grow up. Okay. I don't really think I have any updates beyond that. We've survived into 2022, a year that mm-hmm. sounds like the future. It's pretty hellish. Don't recommend. I'm working on time travel so I can go back to uh, 1988 and go to the mall and shop for CDs. But my experiments are not going very well so far. So don't hold out for that. I'm not aware of, like, any important Unsolved Mysteries news. Maybe something happened. Okay, so we don't have a date, but Unsolved Mysteries has said that we will oh, be getting yeah. new reboot episodes this year. Mm-hmm. Now, it's January, so <laughs> I don't know what we're talking. We could be Sometime. next month. It could be, you know, the end of the year. But 
2022 at some point and we will of course be covering those um episodes on our patreon so if you want to hear uh we've so far talked about every episode if you're new here we talked about the reboot but we did that on patreon it's going to cost you a dollar to hear our thoughts on the new episodes but that's that's something to look forward to we have so so little to look forward to god damn i know right grasping at straws this everything gets canceled again uh but yeah supposedly new unsolved mysteries somewhere out there so mysterious <laughs> it remains a mystery at this point when those will air but yeah they're really leaning into it i think it's kind of on brand for them they're like who knows Woo. i mean we're still not hosting so it's kind of yeah it's like a I little mean, bit on. pointless there is no host which i'm insulted no yeah. host is better than us <laughs> We are so cheap, too. We could, we, could, we could probably have been bought with a couple of Casper mattresses, and yet, no. Ah, uh, okay. So we're here today, <laughs> this day, 2022, to talk about Season 7, Episode 1. Um, And I feel like this is a pretty solid episode to start on. I wish we had four mysteries. We only have three. That's kind of a personal pet peeve. Maybe if you're not uh, making a podcast about a show, you wouldn't even notice something like that. But I really prefer Four Mysteries. Other than that, I think these are very strong. So, and th- we start off with something kind of kooky. A little bit weird. Is and unex- local. Yes. Which is always exciting. Did you know this podcast is made in the great state of Minnesota? Where it's quite cold right now? Yes. Extremely cold. This is Which a, this is appropriate. This is a very appropriate mystery. You're right. We're a fine Minnesota export, just like Lizzo or um, Wild Rice <laughs> or Snow. I don't know. Whatever else you get from Minnesota. Maybe Chicago some, like... mixed popcorn we recently learned. Okay, but that was invented in Chicago. It's just copyrighted <laughs> right, by a company in uh in minnesota which i'm sure makes garrett's popcorn in chicago mad every single day of their lives i think but, there was uh, a lawsuit yeah 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 <laughs> but if you're if you want to know the origins of the copyrighted term chicago makes popcorn you have to come here to candy land. <laughs> hilarious okay but also we have this story so this is an unexplained it goes back to 1968 when promoter frank hansen uh, we see him leading two scientists into an isolated barn in southeastern Minnesota. It was very dark and like foggy and spooky. And it was too okay. Is this a real field cryptozoologist? If I had been like better at school, could I have become a cryptozoologist? Is that a real thing? You know, I don't know, but I think there's probably someone listening who's real angry that you asked that question. I'm sorry. I wasn't sure if that How was dare like dare you insult the cryptozoologist. You know, I don't know. I wasn't sure if that was like, uh, you know, like more of an ancient aliens caliber type thing or like real. You know what I mean? <laughs> is this just someone that goes on like a lot of um, history channel documentaries or is this like an actual credible scientific field? I'm really not sure. Anyway. I love how those is- are two distinct things. They are. Which we know no. is true. Which we know no, is they true. are. They say. are. <laughs> those are two separate things. Okay. Um. So their names were Ivan Sanderson and Dr. Bernard Helvens or something. And they arrived to examine the Iceman, which That's was kind this- of a badass name. I know. And if you Google this, if you're looking for more information, don't look be like me and just Google the Iceman, which is going to get you a lot of bullshit that has nothing to do with anything, <laughs> including a serial killer. But uh, you have to look for the Minnesota Iceman. Okay. Yes. All right. So this was a specimen, supposedly a prehistoric human that's encased in a block of ice, and it was appearing to be half man, half ape. I don't know if this means, it's supposed to be like a missing link between, evolutionary link between apes and humans, but I'm not sure if it's supposed to be like a Neanderthal or like some other type of early human ancestor, or it's just like a human-ape hybrid. The illustration (laughs) looks... I'm going to say it leans towards ape. Okay. But I'm a fuck if I know. Also, I was reading some article recently about these very large prehistoric apes that used to be in North America that were like much 
larger than any apes that are still alive today. Oh, yeah. I saw the illustration of that. They're huge. I forgot what they were called, but my new theory is that that is Bigfoot. The ghosts of those prehistoric apes is what Mm. Bigfoot is. Which maybe we've already said that before when we talked about Bigfoot being a ghost. But actually, I was... We were aware that there were such big prehistoric apes. Yeah. Also, I didn't really read that article about Bigfoot being a ghost. I was just laughing at the hilariously jacked (laughs) drawing of Bigfoot. So in this case, I have like more to back it up, which is that they were these very large prehistoric apes. And so my new Bigfoot theory is that he's a ghost of that. And if uh, Arden has promised to ask her her relative, who's a Bigfoot enthusiast, how he feels about this theory. If you are a Bigfoot enthusiast or know someone that is check in are you in the know. are you a member of the wood ape society please <laughs> yeah. send us an email perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com i would be very flattered and intrigued if a member of the wood ape society listened to this <laughs> podcast please tell me what it was like to meet rob Lowe. okay so back to the ice man uh the scientists left the barn convinced that the specimen had scientific value and was not a hoax However, a couple weeks later, it vanished without a trace. Okay. Convenient. Yeah. So now Robert Stack is in a different barn in a trench coat. And he says, this is something I find very funny for some reason. Who or what was the Iceman? <laughs> he's just like, it's, he's just so serious about it. I don't know. And this is literally like a freak show attraction. <laughs> Okay, so uh, the question is, was it an entertaining illusion created by a master showman or something real, as the scientists suspected? Okay, so earlier in 1967, before this Iceman stuff, Frank Hansen was touring the State Fair circuit with what he claimed to be the earliest gas-powered tractor. I'm not sure. They didn't say whether or not that was true. I kind of got the impression he was lying. (laughs) So did I. So, which does mm, make the Iceman thing more suspect. It's a little sus. uh, That he was touring state fairs. I mean, the Minnesota Fate State Fair is like a big event. So many people go. So I'm picturing this guy having his, like, tent. You have to, like, pay to enter. And then he's like, this is the earliest gas-powered tractor. Which, oh, my God, I'd be pissed. That's what's in the tent. <laughs> if you a gave tractor? a nickel and that what was that's what was in there. I would be like, It wasn't a mummy. Give me my nickel back. I want to just throw it on the ground. <laughs> Any, yeah, I don't want to see it. I mean, I realize it's a state fair, but even so, I don't want to see an old tractor. Who cares? Anyway, so while he was exhibiting that tractor, he says he was approached by a soft-spoken stranger who said that he had something worth exhibiting and that would be worth his while to give him a call. So later he met up with that stranger at a refrigerated warehouse. The stranger declined to say where he got the Iceman, but Frank agreed to take it on the road as an educational exhibit. It became a star attraction at state fairs throughout the Midwest. We hear from a zookeeper who says uh, he saw the Iceman when he was 18 years old, and he believes he was looking at something that was dead and not man-made. He says he doesn't think it was made out of, like, plastic or wax or whatever. We also hear from an environmentalist who tells us basically the same thing. Um, The person we hear from more is Dr. Terry Cullen, who is a zoologist who saw the Iceman when he was 18 years old. And when they show him as, like, a teenager, he has this, like, amazing hair in the past reenactments. I hope his hair is really like that. It's so good. <laughs> okay. So he says that the Iceman was about a six-foot male with visible hair follicles and that he had trauma to the left side of his face and that it was, quote, made out of some sort of flesh. So according to him, if it was a hoax, it was, like, somehow made out of, like, a human body or animal bodies or something it was not made out of like plastic that if it was not the real thing that it was probably like a dead dude with orangutan teeth (laughs) (laughs) because at one point he talks about visiting the exhibit several times okay another thing that makes this very sus is that this guy keeps he's so intrigued by this exhibit and whether or not it's real that he keeps going to it at the fair he keeps paying his nickel or whatever but that makes frank hansen agitated like he doesn't like that this guy keeps coming back which why 
Yeah, I think he's afraid he's going to look at it one too many times and notice the zipper in the back or whatever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's at one point, Dr. Terry Cullen, as a teenager, he even snuck in a magnifying glass, which, like, why would you have to sneak that in, right? So they they should be offering this up for human study. They should be thawing it out, first of all. Why are they keeping it in the ice? (laughs) Because it's so legit, Samantha. It okay. has to be kept on. It has to be kept nice and fresh. It's like I mean, a, I'm sure there's like a, a preservation fish. you would do, but like it's, it's like a fish. <laughs> you don't want the. You don't want it all thawed out. It's gonna yeah, spoil. Right. It's like a fish. <laughs> this is like a fine restaurant. It's like when you go ice fishing. <laughs> yeah. What if that's how someone found the ice man? They were going ice. They were fishing. ice. <laughs> And they just pulled up a, a whole giant block of ice that had a man in it. <laughs> sure, that would happen. It'd be a weird oh. day. <laughs> uh, only in the great state of Minnesota. Okay. So um, so he snuck in this magnifying glass so that he could observe the teeth. And this guy, who is a zoologist, said that they were much like an orangutan's teeth. And he, event- he like is so obsessed with whether or not this is real that he starts contacting like as an as a teenager is contacting actual scientists and like begging them to come take a look at it <laughs> which he must have sounded like such a crackpot like calling up <laughs> i don't know universities or museums or something and being like please please you have to come see this ice man i need to know if he's real or not and they're like yeah okay kid but eventually he convinced an anthropologist from the university of minnesota to take a look which guy you should have been busier but okay and so he gets the guy to take a look, but then he comes out of the tent looking all dazed and he just says that it was amazing and like walks away. He doesn't give like any more information. And it was actually Terry who convinced the two scientists we already talked about to examine the Iceman. They published their findings in quote, a tabloid magazine for science buffs. I don't really know what that means, but it does make me miss print media quite a bit. Okay. <laughs> This brought new attention to Frank and the Iceman. This is when the police became involved because, uh, first of all, taking a body like over state lines is not super legal. But also, if it is human, like, how did it die? <laughs> and how long ago? Like, it suddenly becomes a matter. It's like, oh, that's real. We thought you were just like frauding everyone. But if right. that's actually like a human corpse that you're just like carrying around in a truck, we kind of need to know a little <laughs> bit more about it. And so um, the night after the police stopped by to be like, yeah, we're going to need to examine that Iceman, Frank left town, taking the Iceman with him. Hmm. Imagine that. Uh As soon as people start asking questions. And that he, this is just mentioned in passing and I found very confusing. He later began to exhibit a replica. This part, it lost me a little bit at this point. What? And so the question is, is it real? Is it fake? Or is it a dead guy who unfortunately ended up as a sideshow attraction? Uh, I don't know. Okay, so there is a little bit more to the... I'm saying I don't know. Look, it's fake. He left town as soon as the police were going to get involved. I'm also pretty sure the replica he started exhibiting is the same thing. He just stopped claiming it was a dead body because I was going to get him in legal trouble. But Right. Suddenly it's a replica. It was like, I mean, it's a replica of the guy I used to have, but also don't ask me any questions about that. Um, okay, so according to Unsolved Mysteries Wiki, in 2013, the carcass allegedly resurfaced. It was auctioned on eBay <laughs> and purchased by the museum, the owner of the Museum of Weird. The new owner claimed to have purchased it from the man who purchased it from Frank Hansen's family after his death in 2003. However, it is suspected that the, quote, carcass that resurfaced is actually the replica, not the original. I think it's the same thing. Apparently, this was also on Shipping Wars, so I'm going to need to watch that <laughs> ASAP. And she Yeah, has- if you're interested, it's on Season 4, Episode 6 of Shipping Wars. <laughs> yeah, like, it was also on Mysteries at the Museum, but I don't know. Oh, Season 12, Episode 26. Um... Yeah, this is. There's been various specials about this over the years. Um, uh, you can find out a little bit more information about it. I think it's pretty clearly fake, but it is interesting that it was like such a good fake. I guess it, it is interesting. Have, yeah, it seems to have fooled some people. Mm-hmm. Um, other mystery: Why is was Shipping Wars a show? <laughs> 
<laughs> there were at least four seasons. So, I mean, I don't I've, know. I've watched it, so I guess I answered my own question. Okay. <laughs> I did look up cryptozoology and Wikipedia says that it's a pseudoscience so, okay. and it's, it's okay. neither a branch of zoology nor folklore studies. So take that for. All right. That sort of aligns with what I was thinking. I still probably should have become a cryptozoologist. Maybe. Uh, noted parallels uh, include ghost hunting and ufology. Okay. So. Sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 Got it. Got it. All right. Are we ready for a lost love? I love this lost love. So, yes. This lost love was great. We're looking for the friend of Tom Vaughn, which sometimes when I hear Tom Vaughn, I think it rhymes. And sometimes I think it doesn't. It's playing Tom Vaughn. Tom Vaughn. It's playing tricks with my mind. So if I stumble over Tom Vaughn or his friend who is also named Vaughn for some reason, forgive me. Tom Vaughn. Tom Vaughn. Tom Vaughn. It sounds like yawning a little bit. A little, a little oh, bit. Tom yeah. Vaughn. So in 1956, 10-year-old Tom Vaughn was placed in the uh, the Lieutenant Joseph P. Kennedy Home for Children. Sorry, I was struggling to read my notes. First episode. Uh, a New York City orphanage after his mother, Jean, and his father went through a very bitter divorce. And it was extremely bitter. I, I forget how Robert Stack describes it. I think he says that that Tom's journey to get to the orphanage was a saga in and of itself, which it definitely was. Um, By 1954, Jean was hiding Tom and his younger brother, Dick from their father. She was taking them around to different friends and families and keeping them there and not telling their father where they were. Sounds very traumatic for a child. Sounds horrible. Um, For two years, she had them um, in over the course of two years, she had them in nine different rooming houses and foster yeah. homes. Yeah. Finally, they ended up living in the basement of an apartment complex in the Bronx. Um, they were normally left alone. However, the landlord and his wife uh, did watch over them and were actually considering uh, adopting them and trying to become their legal guardians when uh, Catholic Charities stepped in for some reason and decided to take them away uh, and separate them. So that's cool. Why couldn't the landlord who, I know this is surprising for a landlord, but seemed like a nice dude, why wasn't he allowed to adopt them? I don't know. Him and his wife uh, seemed like they were taking care of them and the the kids were happy there and they wanted to become their guardians. But for some reason, Catholic Charities stepped in and ruled that Jean was an unfit mother. Um, And then they pressured her to send Tom and Dick to an orphanage in the Pelham Bay section of the Bronx. Okay. Well, whatever. So that's great. When it was time for them to say goodbye to their mother, Tom says he was paralyzed with fear and unable to speak. It's so sad. Um, They were able to see her on the weekends, but they were forced to live in separate parts of the orphanage. So even in the orphanage, they couldn't be with each other. I don't know. I assume because they were different ages. It's really, really. Who cares? That's so weird. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Tom became more and more upset um, by this. He was uh, not having a good time in the orphanage when he met another boy who was actually who'd actually become his roommate roommate. His name was Brendan Vaughn and they are not related. They just happen to have the same last name. Uh, Brendan was the first person to talk to him at the orphanage. Um, and in fact, he refused to let Tom kind of just like stay in the corner and be sullen and quiet and like, you know, not participate in games and things like that. He would go over and he would encourage him to join in and he befriended him. He was there for him during uh, difficult times uh, in there in one of the classes that they showed in a reenactment of the, the nun was like, yelling at tom because he couldn't remember something and then uh when she turned around to like go get a stick presumably to like beat him because he doesn't know the right answer uh brendan ran over and whispered the correct answer in tom's ear and then when the nun turned back around he was able to give the correct answer and avoid punishment i guess uh seems like a great time um okay the kid that they get to do they they get to play Brendan. It's supposed to be Irish, like an Irish immigrant. I I'm not sure if Unsolved Mysteries is aware. There's a whole country of Ireland. Surely they have some children that could have maybe been in this segment. <laughs> but instead, this kid just like talks with the most 
hilarious, disjointed, weird accent you've ever heard. It is I'm, really funny. There's a moment where he's describing the Blarney Stone, and it's they could have just left that out. They didn't have an Irish kid to play <laughs> this part. Um, no, I think they. I'm glad they left it in. It's real jumbled and messy and pretty funny, and <laughs> actually is. just like kind of adorable. It's. I mean, they're kids, so it is really cute. Um, so a year and a half after Brendan and Tom met, Brendan unfortunately left the orphanage, and Tom was again petrified with fear and unable to say goodbye. And he never saw Brendan again. Um, eventually, he and Dick were sent to live with their father in Montana. Sadly, Jean's it, um, problems never improved, and she died in 1985. Ugh. Tom is now a banker in Colorado. He's happily married and has a daughter, and he credits, credits Brendan with changing his outlook um, on life, and he has never forgotten him and wants to find him. And, luckily, we get a reunion. Uh, oh, which, is- which, if we had not gotten a reunion, I would have been pissed. Me too. It would have, yeah, you, we gotta have that reunion with the lost love. It, it's really like icing on the cake. So, within minutes of the broadcast, Brendan called the telecenter from his home in New York. Um, he and Tom were immediately put in touch, and finally, Tom had his chance to thank Brendan. A few weeks later, on March 6th, 1994, Tom and Brendan were reunited in Manhattan. Brendan also met Tom's wife and daughter. He also brought his sister Noreen um, who was also at the orphanage with them and it was really sweet Brendan said that uh, what did he did he say he was divorced or something yeah he, he had had three wives or something and was single now and so it was almost like he found a, fam- a family I think Robert Stack said that I don't know if uh, Brendan <laughs> agreed that it was like look this guy's alone he's an absolute loser he needs this I was like <laughs> You don't know that, Robert Stack. Um, did you happen to notice what time they met? I was wondering if you arranged this meeting. They met at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> 8.30 sharp, Robert Stack. Because Snack I'm met. such a morning person that did not even raise any, like, bells for me. <laughs> I was like, who meets at 8.30 in the morning? It was very early. It's Okay, my other notes on this so is that Tom has a mustache. He does. It's a uh, sign of a straight squiggle. So I gave it two names. It's either the ventriloquist dummy, because he's wearing a bow tie and kind of looks like a ventriloquist dummy, or the prickle bush. <laughs> Take your pick. I don't know that I like the prickle bush. <laughs> this is a, it's a little bit of a standard looking mustache. I'm not getting prickle bush vibes, but he does kind of look, with his bow tie. You're right; he looks a little ventriloquist dummy. I didn't say that, but uh, <laughs> I don't know where you got that idea. Whew, Samantha, so rude. Okay. Um, oh, I wrote down "saved by a blabbermouth," which is you know always good, and an example. <laughs> just a good phrase. Say once again, someone was saved by a blabbermouth. And an example of Brendan's uh, sense of humor is that the two of them were lying in bed, and he said, "Tom, tell me when you fall asleep." Oh yeah. <laughs> Tom was like, "What?" What? And he was like, "Yeah, tell me when you fall asleep." I don't know. It's very funny to me. Okay, super adorable story. Loved it. Um, now we have kind of a famous case. This is an unexplained death. We go back to the early morning of November 28th, 1953. A crowd is gathered outside of New York's Helltel Statler, where a man has jumped or fallen from a 13-story window. It was scientist Frank Olson. He left behind a wife and three small children. His children, now grown, and extremely smart and articulate, by the way, oh my goodness, um, are trying to figure out what really happened to their father, who died at the heart of Cold War tensions. So we do hear from his children quite a bit in the segment, or at least two of them, maybe not all three of them. And um, they're just so calm and put together and have put this like so much thought into this. I don't know. I was very impressed by them. But Robert Stack wants to remind us that the USSR was a very real threat at this time. <laughs> so real. I was like, okay, Stack, whatever. Frank Olson was in charge of a weapons project at the time of his death. 
he worked at Fort Dedrick in Maryland in the Biological Warfare Research Department, which, ugh. He was an expert in aerobiology, the deliver of deadly viruses via sprays and aerosol cans. Oh my god, what a nightmare. Uh, his work was highly top secret. Um, one of his sons, Niles Olson, has a mustache that has two very separate sides. Mm. So that's called part the Red Sea. <laughs> okay. thought you might call it the double prickle bush. <laughs> You're like, please never say the prickle bush again. I don't know. I don't know. That's look. The mustaches speak through me. I'm just. A, I'm just a conduit. the The universe tells me what their name is, and I just let it flow onto the paper without thought. And sometimes I look down, and it says the prickle bush. Go, this All is right. gonna be featured in the the next reboot episode of Unsolved Mysteries. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a miracle oh. segment. They're bringing back the the miracle segment. <laughs> This woman names mustaches that she sees on Unsolved Mysteries via a divine spirit. It just comes to me. It's almost like a vision. I'm imagining oh. you sitting there and you have gold leaf glued to your face. <laughs> I, and, and the clear like squares that it comes out of the package. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're and, like, a prickle bush just came to me. <laughs> and I have to wear like a bunch of scarves and like way too much jewelry. Like every oh, of sort course. of every sort of spiritual swindler does. Yeah. I'm wearing like ten rings on each finger. And I just knew and you just hear the clanking of my jewelry and you just <laughs> I just knew that the name was part the Red Sea. And it now it, let it be so. Okay. Anyway, we're talking about the death of a man <laughs> who had children. And his name was Brick Olson. And he did some work for the CIA, which is yeah. Don't do that. That's my. If you want to live a long, happy life, don't work for the CIA. Dangerous. That's my advice. So at one point, he attended a three day conference with colleagues and he came home a changed man. After that, he was severely depressed and he referenced having, quote, done something wrong, but he couldn't say what. So it was kind of clear to his family that he hadn't, like, I don't know, like leaked a secret or something. Like they had asked him, like, oh no, did you, like, accidentally, like, I don't know, tell Russia how we're going to beat them. And he was like, no, I'd never do that. But like something had clearly happened that he was extremely worried about. And it changed his whole personality. His boss indicated that he thought Frank was on the verge of a nervous breakdown and took him to New York for treatment. While he was there, he shared a hotel room with Dr. Lashbrook, a CAA scientist. No, that's not how you treat people that you're worried about. (laughs) But anyway, a week passed without hear- his family hearing from him at all. Then one night he called to say hi, and he did seem at that time less on edge. Um, him and Dr. Lashbrook went to bed around 11. Lashbrook says he was awakened by the sound of broken glass, um, which would have been uh, Frank falling to his death. The authorities said Frank either jumped or fell, but they didn't know which. However... The night manager who worked at that hotel that evening found the death suspicious. He ran out to find Frank on the sidewalk before he passed away, desperately trying to tell him something, but his injuries prevented him from speaking. But it was kind of like he was like, hey, this is who killed me. <laughs> but he like can't get the words out, right? Um, well, the night manager looked up. He saw that the window shade of the broken window was still down and partially pulled through the window. So say I have decided I'm going to jump to my death and I'm on the 13th story of a building. I would imagine that I would open the window before jumping out of it. Seems likely. And also that I would pull up the shade. Mm -hmm. Not I'm on. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm unaware of a type of suicide from jumping off buildings that involves like a running start and then <laughs> crashing through a window and the blind, which mm-hmm. is seems to be what's be, being uh, suggested here. Um, okay, so fast forward to 1975. So yeah, that's like suspicious and weird, but they don't really know what to do with it. Also, I'm guessing the police aren't in a real big hurry to go, oh, it was the CIA. Nah. <laughs> just, a, just a thought. Uh, 
oh my god please do not come for me cia i'm so scared of you <laughs> this is allegedly alleged it's very yeah. it's so allegedly so alleged. this case to me is a lot like the octopus like we're gonna talk about it we are gonna figure nothing out and i am not going to dive any deeper they are not going to catch me finding out truth <laughs> Not, not no. me having opinions I mean, on this, this. I have case. no opinions. Nope. I, I have discovered nothing. And I know I want to be very clear that I know even less than you think I do. Okay. So fast forward to 1975. A government commission was formed to investigate past abuses by the CIA, of which there were allegedly many. The report mentioned a scientist jumping to his death 10 days after being dosed with LSD. It turned out that scientist was Frank Olson. At this time, Frank's family received a formal apology from then-President Ford and compensation of $750,000. They also met with the head of the CIA at that time, William Colby, who gave them a supposedly complete set of documents relating the last days of Frank Olson's life. It detailed that the CIA... Okay, so he goes to that conference, right? And he comes back and he's, like, super different. So what these documents that the CIA give his family showed was that that at that conference, which was a bunch of scientists, if the reenactment is at all right, like at a fishing cabin or something? Anyway. I think it was a cabin. Okay. So it's just a bunch of scientists hanging out. They're supposed to be, like, talking about the latest and, I don't know, how to kill people research. Super weird. And some CIA people are there, and they were like, you know, it would be great if we did an experiment now where we dosed all these scientists with LSD and then just, like, saw what happened. So they supposedly slipped LSD into an after-dinner liqueur, and this was done by either famous Sidney Gottlieb or his deputy, Dr. Lashbrook, which is the person he was staying with at the hotel. This was supposedly to test what would happen if LSD was used on captured spies and if they would be like more likely to spill secrets or whatever. There's a really hilarious reenactment at this point of a bunch of middle-aged men high in a fishing cabin. Check it out. Okay. Um, then one of the agents informed the scientists that the drink has been sp spiked and Frank was understandably very angry and did not appreciate being used as a guinea pig. In New York, Frank was taken to see a Dr. Harold Amberson, an LSD expert, which, okay, high school counsel guidance counselors, there's a lot of jobs that you did not tell me were available. <laughs> and one of them is LSD expert. Okay. <laughs> Just so you know, you might want to throw that out there as a possibility. Cryptozoologist, right? Ghost hunter. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, his visits were also attended by his boss, which is, is most therapy should be, and Dr. Lashbrook. The documents don't show any kind of treatment for him supposedly having a nervous breakdown or whatever. It was more of an assessment to see whether or not he was a threat to the CIA obviously. One question was why Dr. Lashbrook never called for help after Frank went through the window. It's a good question. It's a fair question. Yeah. Um, but, on the other hand, the hotel operator did hear him call someone. So this is from a time where um, there was a switchboard, right? Like, you would call down to the hotel operator, and the operator had to, like, physically connect to the line. And the operator did stay on the line to make sure that you were connected. And also, it's probably, like, great gossip. So um, the hotel operator heard Dr. Lashbrook call someone and say, this was the whole conversation. Well, he's gone. To which someone replied, well, that's too bad. And then they both hung up. I would like to say that that's not suspicious at all. And that's the CIA 911. has my full respect. Okay. So then is the question if Frank was considered a security risk. Apparently on one of the last nights of, the, of his life, he was hearing voices. And those voices told him to dispose of his money and ID, which he put into a trash can. Um. There's also the question, if they thought he was suicidal, why was he staying in a room with a window 13 stories high? Mm, why was he? Yeah, that's a pretty good question. Um, after his widow died in 1993, um, the sons had Frank's body moved to rest beside her. But first, they decided they wanted an autopsy. Despite it being 41 years later, uh, there wasn't an autopsy performed at the time. It was found that despite the death report, there were no lacerations to his face or neck. So they're wondering how he made it through the window. There was also major fractures in the lower part of his body, but like different parts of his body that weren't really consistent with a fall. Like if you fall, 
maybe you hit like part of the building on the way down, but you don't hit like several parts. Like it should only be in like one or two places on your body. It shouldn't be in a bunch of places on your body. So that's weird. Um, then some sort of expert tells us that it's unlikely the CIA would have killed a colleague. Okay. <laughs> and I literally wrote down, and now we all laugh and laugh. Okay. That's like, literally you have an expert that was like, I just can't believe the CIA would kill a colleague. And you're like, yeah, all right. The CIA's duty is not to like truth. The CIA's duty is to like preserve the institution of the CIA. But whatever. But whatever. That's fine. I'm sure they are very truthful at all times. That sounds like what a covert government. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> um, the update is that after a year, after years of investigation, his family remains convinced that Frank Olson was murdered by agents of the U.S. government due to his criticism of illegal top secret protocols. I mean, it's weird to me. Okay, so the CIA's official story is that, no, we didn't push him through a window. We just drugged him against his will. And that <laughs> led him to jumping through a window. I was like, well, that's pretty bad. <laughs> but they're like, but we did not. Certainly, we didn't push him through a closed window. Obviously, he took a running jump through it in the middle yeah. of the night. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm not going to look into it. And I suggest you don't look into it either. That would be my recommendation. Honestly. Don't. Don't. I, I, his family, honestly, is very brave to do so because they've kind of already seen what could happen if you ask too many questions. So if I were them, I might stop asking any questions. I'm really sorry. This is more than a tragedy, but don't, don't be the next one. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Yikes. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Did you like that book that you read that kind of um, talked about this? I did. Yeah. Last year I read um, a book called Poisoner in Chief, Sidney Gottlieb and the CIA's Search for Mind Control, I think. Um, And it was really good. It's a a very uh, popular book. Um, That book, it it focuses on Sidney Gottlieb um, and the various... uh, well, you could call them experiments. Other people might call them torture. I'm just throwing words out there now. But um, what are words? They have no are, meaning. What are words? But this death features prominently in the story because the party that they all went to where they were dosed with LSD against their will um, was obviously a a big deal and then subsequently led to this man's death. So if you are interested in in learning more about it's it's completely wild the fact that they thought that the russians were uh discovering and developing mind control and that we said we somehow needed to to get mind control too to it's it's bonkers it's bananas uh it's it's crazy that that Sidney Gottlieb never really faced any consequences and got to just like retire to the mountains and raise goats it's there's a lot. Um, but I, I did really, really like it. Um, hmm. So that maybe read that book if you want to know more. I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that that was not something that would be of interest to me, but actually maybe it is. It's, you know, I thought it wouldn't be of interest to me either. But after, you know, once I got into it, it's it's completely, I mean, it will infuriate you the things that the U.S. government did, but I mean, that's not anything new at this point. Um, it's, but it's wild. It's it's hard to believe, actually, and I'm not really surprised by anything anymore that the events in this, the book are, are, are true. So I would recommend yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, surprisingly, that brings us to the end of our episode because the last mystery is an update of a thing we already talked about. Though there is additional footage of him being arrested and not wearing pants. Yeah, he goes on a Porky Pig style uh, (laughs) fleeing from the police. There's a pursuit. He's he's wearing wearing underwear. underwear. Yeah, yeah. He's not flopping around, but (laughs) it's still odd. Uh, And it's in like a swamp or something. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the circumstances that led up to that but yeah basically unsolved mysteries wants you to know that he's been apprehended and we get footage of him uh being appreh- apprehended he's not coming for you in the night 
Yeah, that's the, and I wish I could remember names, but I have a horrible memory. Um, it's the case of, um, I'm not sure if it was her boyfriend or husband, but he came back from deployment. He was in the yeah. military and um, he killed his partner and also their neighbors. I, I think it was a couple yeah. that were next to them that, were fr- that she was friends with. Um, it's really did, sad. Did one of them survive? I can't. Or did they all did all three die? I can't remember. But anyway, the the, the police got him, captured him. He was arrested, and he was subsequently convicted and sentenced to death. Wow. So, hmm. That's right. the update. Dark ending. Uh, let's rate this episode. The first episode of season seven. Yes. So we've got our categories. The first of which is mysteriousness. Ah. Uh, okay. This is not highly mysterious, actually. I wish it was a little more serious. I um, am hard pressed to think the Iceman thing is real. I <laughs> yeah. wish I could, I wish I could suspend my disbelief. And it's weird, but I don't it's know. Weird. That it's mysterious. Yeah. Um, supposedly, so my mom's family has a long line of masons in it, uh, stone carvers, and supposedly someone back in the family tree. Uh, was one of the carvers that worked on the Cardiff Giant, which was a sideshow attraction that was a hoax that was supposedly the body of a giant that was, like, frozen. But really, it was just a big carving out of stone. This seems kind of like a similar thing. Um, I'm not really sure that it's real. Okay, Lost Love, thankfully not mysterious. They get reunited. They're good friends again. Everything's great. And the CIA thing, I mean... Who's to say it's allegedly not mysterious? (laughs) Who's to say? We've used Uh, the phrase allegedly not mysterious before, and I think it applies here. Yeah, this is allegedly not mysterious. Um, Who knows? Who knows? Um, Were you ever told that if you did drugs, you would, like, jump off a building? No. And, like, like, dare or something? I absolutely was. I mean, I don't know I that I was, was. I don't know that I was told I would jump off a building, but we got the same like dare propaganda. I recently saw a meme that was those you know, those commercials where it was like, "This is your brain on drugs with the egg." I somehow yeah. forgot the one that was like the the floppy girl. She's like, a oh pan- yeah, She's like a pancake. Yeah. I fr- <laughs> it showed up on. Uh, someone's instagram story this meme and it just said i watched this and still smoked weed (laughs) uh i absolutely was told maybe specifically about lsd but i can't remember that if i did drugs i would jump off a building and i think it's because of this story i think it (laughs) also i think it also ended up in an episode of dragnet i think a lot of boomers saw that and were like well if you do drugs you're gonna jump off a building uh or allegedly the cia might come for you and also yeah. they're the, and they're the ones that gave you the drugs also. yeah he didn't want to do drugs <laughs> so somehow, somehow that got twisted into this like morality tale of like you'll think you can fly that's what we were told was that if you did drugs you would think you would fly you would end up jumping off a building i'm not aware of that ever happening ever by the way <laughs> i mean maybe this one but maybe this- this maybe. One time, maybe okay so i guess mysteriousness in conclusion is sideways or down maybe I would, down i'm honestly gonna say it's down. allegedly thumbs down <laughs> it's a, no you're right it's allegedly thumbs down it's allegedly <laughs> really not very mysterious at all yeah. next category fashion okay i, mean, I not great uh no. all i all i can think of is that reenactment guy's hair seeing the ice man but that is not enough to carry the episode no. nothing else stood out to me thumbs down the mustaches were okay but honestly we're in season seven we need people to bring their mustache game <laughs> these are these are not gonna do it these were prairie standard mustaches yeah even if they did end up named the prickle bush it's true so it's thumbs like, down for oh my god <laughs> stop saying that I mean, that might be the title of this episode at this point. Um, uh, what are mysteriousness, oh. fashion, and reenactments? Reenactments. Okay, I think the reenactments were good, actually. Uh, the Iceman ones were charming, kind of funny. The Lost Love ones were very charming, even if the accent was really bad. Uh, the only one that was like super goofy was the the scientist getting high but i'm not sure you could film that and not look goofy so <laughs> yeah I, i'm gonna say thumbs up it does get a thumbs up for reenactments i agree 
Um, okay, this brings us to our Robert Stack scale. Well, okay, how do you feel about Stack himself, though? Oh, you know, I thought he was pretty good. He had some interesting lines. He was also in, like, an old state fair, I guess. Like, a, a creepy yeah. carnival at the beginning. He wasn't that much, though. No, he really wasn't. I'm going to say sideways. So, yeah, I think sideways for Stack. Again, <laughs> you got to bring your game. We're on season seven. Okay, so what oh, on the scale? So talk yeah. about the scale, Samantha. Okay, so we can... Our rubber Stack scale is... Usually zero to five Robert Stacks. I guess we could also rate in tiers, but I don't think this episode warrants that. <laughs> no, no. Um, okay, I thought this was solid. So I, think I this liked was it. It was weird. Episode. I did not see this Iceman thing coming. So I really appreciate that. I think we got this has got great variety. This has got some surprises, some like funny moments, some serious moments. Um, at least a four from me. Yeah, I think it's a, a four episode for me too. I think it's a great one to come back on. I enjoyed watching it. There's it stuff starts to talk the about. season strong, which I appreciate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's quality. Yeah, I think Agreed. maybe Stack did fun it in a little bit, but the <laughs> the um these are just good stories. These three stories are good stories. Yeah, they've yeah, got some meat to them. Um, so I'm glad I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we took a little break and I can be enthusiastic about this episode and stuff just being like, oh my God, who cares? <laughs> this is slowly killing me, which is how I felt by the end of season six. Like unsolved mysteries will be the death of me. Yeah, that's really true. <laughs> should we end with some recommendations? I think we should. It's, it has been a while. I assume that our dear devoted five listeners have been they haven't known what to do with themselves these past couple of months without, without our, any recommendations for us without me recommending the, an animal i follow on instagram <laughs> yeah yeah they've been so bored without that kind of a plus content <laughs> that we provide for free here at perhaps it's you whatever it's, random shit i've bought on amazon lately yeah quality those, i'm an need, influencer basically they need those cloud slides samantha I mean, you do need those cloud slides. Those are great. I the other day, so I was, you know, I I paint, paint sometimes, and I was like, I should really be do more painting standing up. And then I was like, maybe I need to get the cloud slide. <laughs> huh? Maybe it's time to get the cloud slides. Anyway, it's been so long uh, that I had not yet had a chance to recommend the show Midnight Mass. Which is on Netflix, and I love it so much. I've watched it twice by this point. Um, it is a Mike Flanagan show. He did uh, Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. If you enjoyed those shows, this is similar, but not exactly the same. It's a story about a like um, fishing community on an, a very isolated island. And the main character, Riley, has just gotten out of prison for a... Um, drunk driving incident that killed someone so it's him like coming back to his hometown after this like horrible shameful thing and things are getting kind of weird and also at that same time their like town priest has fallen ill so there's like a new priest is standing in for him and it's the story of this community on the island and like how weird things get and i don't want to say too much about it because i think not knowing is definitely a huge asset in watching episodes, but the acting is so good and the like spooky, moody creepiness of it. I just love it. It's a slow burn. Like at first you're like, what is happening? What is this thing? And then it just like slowly drags you along and unfolds. And I think it's a really cool story and very, very well done. So highly recommend that. I feel like Netflix 2021, they really made sure they were worth your $13 or whatever. Sometimes yeah, I've been like, I've been like, what is the, why am I still on this? There's nothing I want to watch. But they really brought some good stuff in 2021. And I think that was like the pinnacle example of very cool things to watch. So nice. if you have not seen that yet, I feel like that would be a great spooky wintertime, like light some candles, get under your comforter. You know, I don't, I, I almost feel like don't binge it, like draw it out a little bit, but you know, up to you. 
Hi, friends and enemies. Unfortunately, we had a lot of technical issues at the end of our remote recording session, and my recommendation is basically unlistenable. But it's really fine. I'm not some kind of influencer, and Netflix isn't paying me to recommend the latest obscure documentary I watched recently, so fuck them. Here's the end of the episode. Love you. Anyway, the stupid Zencaster keeps stopping the recording. We've tried this like eight times. Honestly, I'm done. Okay, that's right. So, uh, social media, uh, Patreon, perhaps it's you.com, get our zine now. Thanks for listening. We love you. Keep You're working. the best. Bye. Bye. <laughs>